Hello, and welcome to the Faith for Work podcast from Biblical Business Training. On this podcast, we share stories from Christian leaders who are living out BBT's mission and vision of faith for work and leadership for life. I'm your host, Jordan Dollar, and I hope this podcast empowers you to take your faith to all the places where God is sending you. Today's guest is Paul Newberger. Paul is the founder of C-Suite for Christ, a faith-based fellowship for professionals which boasts international reach and a social media following in the tens of thousands. An accomplished sales trainer, Paul first made a name for himself as the cold call coach. Cold calling? You mean that sales practice everyone dreads? Yes, indeed. Paul actually likes cold calling and has been very successful at it and teaches others how to do so fruitfully. His book, The Secrets to Cold Call Success, is an Amazon bestseller. A few years ago, Paul nearly worked himself to death. He was a mess, stressed out and alienated from those who meant the most to him. God stepped in. Paul let him take charge and Paul's career took off. And he was soon speaking to audiences in the tens of thousands, inspiring and empowering people to use their unique qualities for success and fulfillment. Paul lives in Colgate, Wisconsin with his wife, Tanya, and their three children. Paul, welcome to the Faith for Work podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to start C-Suite for Christ? Yeah, happy to. First of all, it's a blessing to be joining you today, brother. Looking forward to this conversation. But boy, about myself, uh, I probably couldn't say a whole lot of good things. Just always been kind of one of those guys that's very, very hard on myself, but I guess one of the things that I can say is I am very glad that a couple of years ago I just shut up and I listened to God because in about mid-2018, I just felt him really put on my heart the need to evangelize. I've always been a believer, but I've always been kind of quiet about my beliefs, but man, it just felt this felt this push. You got to tell more people about me. Rather than telling the world who you are, I want you to tell the world whose you are. So I started to step out in faith. I would share scripture on social media. I'm an international keynote speaker. So I made a deal that every time I step foot on a stage, I got to mention God at least once, even if it's just God bless you guys. And um, it wasn't all rainbows and gumdrops. I can assure you that. Uh, lost some clients, was called some some pretty nasty stuff, had some posts taken down from social media. But I kept going. And uh, over the course of a couple of months, I'm in southeastern Wisconsin. I would just meet some really, really wonderful Christian executives. And after a while, it says, gosh, Jordan, you got to meet Bob. Bob, you got to meet Susan. So in December of 2018, we decided to get together these executives in southeastern Wisconsin. There was less than 20 of us. And to be honest, I, I thought this was just going to be like a fun little social group. We get together once a month over a stack of flapjacks at Denny's or something like that. But man, God had uh, other plans. You fast forward five years, uh, we now have 105,000 followers on LinkedIn. Uh, we have thousands of executives associated with us. We uh, are up to 12 chapters planted, and we just keep going. So it's been uh, it's been quite a wild ride, to say the least. So what exactly is C-Suite for Christ? What's it all about, and who's it for? Yeah, so as it says in the title, so C-Suite, uh, I think... For the most part, your audience probably knows what a C-suite person is, but for those that don't, it's pretty much a person that has a C-level position, so CEO, COO, CFO, that type of thing. So our organization is for anybody and everybody that has a position of executive decision-making authority within their organization. We are not a networking group. 
We are not a professional development organization. There's a lot of those out there that those things do happen, but that's not primarily why we exist. The way that I like to describe ourselves is we are basically a spiritual gas station where once a month these Christian executives can have their tank filled up. There's no strings attached. You leave your title at the door, your organization at the door, you leave your work history at the door, and you show up as a busted, broken, horrible, disgusting sinner just like the rest of us, and you allow these executives to breathe life into your soul. The only other thing that I'll add is our marketing slogan, I suppose, our tagline is covering the world in Christ. Now, that that's more than just a fancy marketing slogan because we are rooted in the Great Commission. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his followers to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. What I like to tell people is it ain't the great suggestion. It's not the great recommendation. You don't have a choice in the matter. We got to get out there and tell other people about him. So we are a very evangelical organization, a very bold and outspoken organization, and we want to bring as many business leaders and organizations to Christ as possible. You're very open on social media about your struggle with and, and recovery from workaholism. How did God convict you to change, and what have been the effects of that change? That's still a daily struggle, dude. You know, it's one, it's one of those things that, uh, again, I, you know, when people talk about, about addictions, you know, you think of addictions to alcohol, you think of addictions to drugs. I've been addicted to work. And the problem is in society today, they tell you that that's a good addiction. You know, that good for you. 90 hours. Whoop. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous that you're able to do that. I mean, society doesn't help. Society rewards that. Society glorifies that. Society pats you on the back and say that a boy, that a girl, you know, you keep going. But that, that's got real problems. And part of the way that I think God is, when I say rescued, again, it, it's still an ongoing battle. But I think part of the way that God brought me back to the brink is he brought me down to my knees. And one of the things that I truly believe, you're never going to stand taller than when you're down on your knees. And if you're not willing to do it, God loves you that much that he's willing to take you down to that level. Now, when you're in the middle of it, it doesn't seem like that. God, what are you doing? God, why do you hate me? God, why are you punishing me? But it's really, Paul, I've given you every opportunity to course correct. Paul, I've given you every opportunity to figure this out on your own. I, I got to break you down before that happens. So about two years ago, I had a, um, a bit of an episode where I was clinically diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. And when I was diagnosed with that, I made the decision to check out of work for two months. I didn't tell a lot of people what I was going through at the time, but I basically just told my clients, I told my staff, I told the people around me, Hey, I, I got to deal with a personal matter. I'm going to go, I'm going to go offline here for a while. And it was two months of psychotherapy. It was two months of medication. It was two months of just getting out of the rat race, refocusing on my family, refocusing on my health. And I came back stronger. I came back with more self-awareness of what I can and cannot do. So I really just think, God, I'm going to give you a chance, Paul. I'm going to give you a chance, Paul. And I just kept ignoring all these red flags until he said, all right, I'm going to do this for you. Uh, it was a miserable couple of months. I don't mind telling you, but uh, I, I did emerge better for it. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'm more well equipped to do what he wants me to do. We have a BBT group leader that uh, likes to use the phrase, sometimes God uses a pebble and sometimes God uses a brick. Sounds like you and I both are in the brick camp when it comes to how God has to get us to listen. Or or in this case, a bag of bricks. 
<laughs> it was, it, it was a lot. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't think I, there was a, there was right before I had that rock bottom. What I said, I, I gotta, I gotta pull out of this for a while. There was a time I didn't think I would recover. You know, people use that word obsess a lot. I obsess about the Packers. I'm obsessed with pizza. I'm obsessed with Indiana Jones movies, whatever. But unless you really truly have obsessive compulsive disorder, you don't know what it means to obsess. All day, every day, your thoughts are swirling around one or two things. When you breathe, you're thinking of it. When you try to sleep, you're thinking of it. When you're doing a keynote speech, you're thinking of it. And I thought, man, I I, I may not come out the other end on this, but God knows what he's doing and we just have to surrender and, uh, and trust him. When do you find yourself tempted to relapse into your old attitude towards work? And when you do start experiencing that, how do you correct course? For me, my addiction is validation. You know, I, I can kind of go back. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but, you know, I had, I had parents that I think by society standards didn't amount to much. Like when you look at paper, you know, based on the jobs they held, the cars they drove, the house they had, my parents are both still with me. They're, they're wonderful, wonderful people. I wouldn't trade them for anything. But my dad in particular, I, I don't know. I, I just think he felt, ah, I could have done more with my life. I'm going to live more vicariously through my sons. So we had to get straight A's. If we didn't, well, Paul, you got an A minus. What happened there? I could go four for four in baseball with four grand slams. But if that ground ball went through my legs while the other kids are going to McDonald's and my dad was hitting grounders to me for 30 minutes, he never yelled, screamed, swore, nothing like that. But it just became ingrained in me early on. Perfection is expected. And anything less than that, there's a problem. So because it's so hard to obtain perfection, I kind of became addicted to my father's validation. I became addicted to my teacher's validation, my coach's validation. So praise God, we've had a lot of success professionally. C-Suite for Christ is one of the most iconic Christian brands on the planet. Uh, I'm a sought after in demand keynote speaker. My television shows are doing good. I mean, like all these things are, are going in the right direction. You know, this world isn't going to give you a whole lot of validation, but when your clients are saying nice things, when the money's coming in, when you're getting some good feedback, it's like, yeah, 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 that's my drug. When you have something you're addicted to, something that makes you feel really, really good, you don't necessarily want to turn it off. It seems weird, but when things are going really, really well and I'm getting a lot of praise and the balance sheet looks really good, those are those dangerous times because I like that feeling and I don't want to lose it. So how did you and C-Suite uh, become connected to BBT? And, and how does Bible study integrate into what C-Suite for Christ is already doing? Yeah, so the, the answer, the first part of that is probably my answer for everything involving C-Suite for Christ, which is LinkedIn. So I crossed paths with some of the fine folks at BBT through LinkedIn. We, we got to have a conversation. And the two things that really kind of jumped out at me most about your ministry, one is your people. I mean, just amazingly high quality people. Now, a lot of organizations talk about that. Oh, we got the great, we got really, really great people. Not always. I mean, just these very selfless people, giving people, individuals that put Christ first and all that they do. And that really stuck out to me. And as I started to engage with your folks, the other thing that was really kind of impressive, again, you have Bible in your title, basically with biblical, but, but you guys really do stand on the gospel. That also is something that is kind of rare today. So because I saw both of that with your organization, we started to dialogue. And I, the reason I elected to move ahead with a partnership with you guys, primarily, I mean, we, are, we have a 100% biblical worldview at C-Suite for Christ, but we don't have a Bible study element. There's no Bible study ministry. There, there's not a Bible study group associated with us. And I wanted to change that. And based on our relationship with you, 
you guys provide us with Bible studies. You provide us with resources. You provide us with customized assets and sheets and handouts that we can give to our members. And it's been very, very well received. What unique challenges, and of course, the flip side of challenges, opportunities, uh, do C-suite leaders in particular face in leading with their faith? Well, how much time do you got? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I agree with you. There has never been a better opportunity to cover the world in Christ than right now. But the reason that is, is because there's so many gosh darn challenges. And that's because Christ convicts more than anything else. If you, you start talking about Christ, people start getting, oh boy, you know, they just send shivers down their spine because this one is the truth, because this one shines light on their imperfections, because this one forces you to be accountable for the gifts that God has given you and following God's law and everything else. So for Christian leaders to bring their faith into the workplace, very, very tough. It's tough for these executive leaders to bring their faith into the workplace without offending people or without finding themselves in HR. So how can they be true to the Great Commission? How can they be true to what God wants them to do while still running a healthy organization? And the other one is just society at large. Cancel culture is a real thing. It really is. It, it, it just seems like if you're an unapologetic Christ-centric organization that wants to tell others, how do you navigate this thing like cancel culture? So but those are really real challenges. And at C-Suite for Christ, we, we try to help our executives navigate those challenges. For you personally, how does your faith affect the way that you work and lead? Well, at the end of the day, it boils down to accountability. And, and I think this is where a number, I'll speak only for myself, but I think this is where a number of individuals start muddying the waters. At the end of the day, who are you most accountable to? And you'll have a lot of people say, my spouse. There's some truth in that. My kids, there's some truth in that. My employer, my community, the little league team that I coach, there's always a kernel of truth into that. But at the end of the day, who is number one on your list in terms of who you're ultimately accountable to? And for me personally, that answer is 100% obvious. God, it ain't even close. I love my wife, but if my wife in some way, shape or form hurt my relationship with God, I'd leave my wife. Nothing can pull you away from God. You don't want to be yoked to anything in life that's going to hurt your relationship with God. Because one day, and for some of us, it's going to be sooner rather than later, you might be the last person I talk to, and I have a huge aneurysm on this side, and I end up uh, looking my maker in the eye. We're all going to stand before God. We're all going to have that final exit interview in the sky. And he's just going to ask, you know, in addition to a bunch of different questions, did you tell others about me? Did you develop an intimate relationship with me? Did you, you know, with pride say, yeah, my father is a, is a heavenly king? And if the answer is no, oh, man, I mean, eternity is a long time. The, the, this life that we're in right now, it's here one day, it's gone. It's, with a, you know, it's like a speck of sand on a huge beach. But eternity is forever. So, yeah, I'll, I'll upset some people by what I say. I'll lose some clients by what I say, um, you know, based on my beliefs and what I stand for. Sure, but Paul, I can't stand that guy. That's okay. That's fine. But at the end of the day, my ultimate accountability is to God. I live for an audience of one. And if that means that I, um, I hurt all the relationships in my life but keep God happy, so be it. What, uh, what's the importance of bringing your faith to work, bringing yourself as a Christian to the workplace? Yeah, I'd say twofold. Uh, one, it's hard to describe, but when you're doing what you were built to do and when you're doing what you were called to do, it just feels right. It fits like a glove. Some people go their whole life and they never feel that. 
other people, myself included, have been blessed to feel that and, and kind of know what we're called to do. Some of us spend more time at work than we do at home. To spend all that time not being your authentic self, to spend all that time not doing what you were built to do, to spend all that time hiding something or acting like you're somebody that you're not, what a miserable existence that's got to be. So number one, part of the reason you should bring your faith to the office, especially if you're a believer, is that's authentically, truly you. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to act. You don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to watch every single word you say. Hey, this is totally, truly me. And that leads to a more happy, joyful existence. The other thing is, you got this little thing, and it's my prayer that individuals look at this as almost like a burr in their shoe. You got this little thing called the Great Commission. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he told all of his followers, hey, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I like to tell people, it's called the Great Commission. It ain't the Great Suggestion nor is it the great recommendation. If you don't, you don't have a choice in this matter. Even, even now, now, this is what I was called to do. I truly believe it. So this is extremely fun for me. But even if it wasn't, I got to do it. I have to do it. So because the workplace is the greatest ministry field on earth, by you bringing Christ into the workplace, not only are you being your true authentic self, you are honoring the great commission. Even in your email, if you just say, I pray you're having a great day, that's honoring the Great Commission. Even if once a month you have a voluntary Bible study before work begins, that's the Great Commission. Even in your work, if you've got a crucifix on your wall, that's the Great Commission. I think it's the best of both worlds. And rather than be worried about who am I going to offend and who's going to be angry and how many clients that I lose, you know, my, my spirit is agitating their demons. That's really all it is when somebody's offended and worked up. That, I have no control over that. But at the end of the day, if I'm being my true authentic self and I'm honoring the Great Commission, I can't ask for anything more than that. We have two effects that we often see from our Bible studies. Uh, and one is getting people comfortable talking about faith and about the Bible. Uh, biggest objection we hear when we ask people about workplace Bible study is, oh, I'm I'm not a Bible expert. I'm not a pastor. I can't do that. And many of the people that are in their groups uh, are also feeling that. And yet, uh, if you rotate the leadership around the group, people get a practice in talking about their faith and talking about the Bible without having to know Greek and Hebrew, without having to believe that you've got a full understanding about it, uh, really empowering them to share. Uh, because there's so many great commission opportunities that we run into every day, it's a question of you know if we if we seize the chance. And also, there are a lot of people who've reconnected uh, largely because they had some negative experience at church and they left because of one church or one person and and didn't want to come back. And then someone that they know at work started a Bible study and they thought. That's weird. That's someone I trust and someone that I know is is reasonable and 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 takes care of me when I'm in need. Uh, really making that a workplace mission field. Yeah, and there's two two comments on on what you just said that I would have. The, the first one is, you know, hey, do you want to be part of a Bible study or do you want to join this group? And somebody says, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm not an expert. God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. And when you look through Scripture. You'll see all of these examples of, of him doing that. Was David qualified to be a king and slay Goliath? 
was Noah qualified to save all of humanity by building an ark? Was Moses qualified to get the Israelites out of Pharaoh's captivity in Egypt? And the answer is most assuredly no. In fact, some of these people fought back. Look at Moses. God, I think you made a mistake. I got a speech impediment. I'm not really good in front of people. I don't have the silver tongue. I'm, I'm 90 years old or whatever I am. I, I'm past my prime. But God went ahead anyway. So so for people to use that to use that reasoning, I understand why they do it. But again, that, that's just an excuse. The Holy Spirit, if if you're being tapped on the shoulder, the Holy Spirit will give you the words. The Holy Spirit will give you the guidance. The Holy Spirit will equip you with what you need as long as you'll trust. But the other thing that I would say in addition to that, too, is, gosh, every day you're not in Scripture. I mean, I mean let's just use one quick basic example. So I've got a daughter. She's six years old. And if it's Christmas Eve and my wife and I buy my daughter, Regan, a Minnie Mouse bike for Christmas, I'll tell you, the worst thing that we can do is keep it in the box because when she wakes up the next day and she opens it, she's going to be busting my chops nonstop to build that darn thing. So it'll be more, um, I guess it'd be a, a better idea for me Christmas Eve the night before. Well, let me just build the bike and put it together so when Reagan wakes up, she'll have it. She can start riding around the house and breaking a bunch of lamps and all that other fun stuff. So what I would do because I am the most um, non-savvy person in the world when it comes to working with your hands. I mean, I, I can barely make toast without burning the house down. But but I, I can't just build this bike from memory. I, I, don't, I don't know what any of these parts are. What do you do? You look at the instruction manual. First A, then B, then C, then D. And even an idiot like me would be able to figure that out. The Bible is God's instruction manual. It's an instruction manual on how to live your life. It's an instruction manual on what you need to do. It's an instruction manual of how you, too, can spend all of eternity in heaven. So for somebody to say, well, I'm not a Bible expert, well, it's a chicken or the egg. Well, you'll become an expert if you spend some time in it. But, boy, a lot of your anxiety is going to go away when you start living the life that you should. A lot of this overwhelming feeling, stress, worry, depression, a lot of this stuff is going to start to go away when you focus on the truth and what you're when you're doing what God's calling you to do. But how are you ever going to get there if you're not reading God's instruction manual? Yeah, for those reasons, I, I think it's just vitally important for, for people to spend time in the word. And, and hopefully that uh, motivates some people to do that. How does one cover the world in Christ? And, and what would a world that's covered in Christ look like? One that's way better than this one. Boy, it's a uh... It's hard, man. You know, I'm, I'm a news junkie. Uh, I've just, I, I love current events. I think Christ and culture go hand in hand. I've got three kids. Two of them are named after former presidents, Kennedy and Reagan. So I love politics. But man, if I want to get my blood pressure up, follow politics every single day. Follow culture every single day. Follow what's going on in society today. The things we're talking about, we never would have even dreamed about a couple of years ago. So it, it's 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 tough. So, I mean, what would this world look like? I don't know, a, a, a world that isn't divided by race and gender and ideology and the color of our skin and, you know, sexual preference. I mean, I mean, this this is the thing. If people just need to open their eyes. If we were united as people, nobody could keep us down. Nobody could oppress us. Nobody could enslave us. Nobody could bend us to their will. So I think a world where we all recognize we're all created in God's image, we're all beloved children of a king, we have way more in common than we uh, have differences. Just imagine what we could accomplish if we're all united in covering the world in Christ. So how does one do it? Baby steps, man. Something is better than nothing. You know, people will look at me and say, "Wow, well, you know, that guy, he's got a big platform and he's a good speaker and everything else. You, you, well, if only I had that. 
I'd cover the world in Christ. Uh, get rid of if only, really. I mean, if somebody has a Facebook page, just do one or two posts a week. That's covering the world in Christ. You know, invite somebody to church. That's covering the world in Christ. When you're at a fast food place or a restaurant and the server says, here's your check, sir. Is there anything else I can do for you? No, I'm good, but uh, how can I pray for you today? Just those little things, one at a time, even if it's just one little thing you do every single month, those little things add up, those inches add up, and before you know it, we're covering the world in Christ. How can our listeners connect with you or with C-Suite for Christ if they're wanting to learn more? Yeah, and the first thing that I would say is, yes, we do have C-Suite in our title, so to become an official member, you need to be in a position of executive decision-making authority. That doesn't mean if you haven't realized that level of professional success, that doesn't mean that there's not a place for you here. We have a radio show. We have a podcast. Uh, we've got a couple of television shows. We're all over social media. We have weekly ministries that are open to anybody and everybody. So even if you, you're not able to become a dues-paying member just quite yet, no problem. There, there's always stuff that we can do together. So I would say the absolute best thing to do is to go to our website, which is C Suite, and not like the sweet, like the sugar, S U I T E F O R Christ, C Suite for Christ.com. It's the one stop shop. Everything is on there, all of our media assets are on there. And if you have any questions, if you want to learn what it means to become a member, if you want to make a financial contribution, if, if you think it might make sense to plant a chapter of our ministry wherever you are, best thing to do is to send me an email. It's all over the website. But again, it's just P and my last name, N as in Nick, E-U, B as in boy, E-R-G-E-R, P Newberger at csweetforchrist.com. But whatever you do, do something because we're better together. We're stronger together. And we're going to cover the world in Christ together. And we will have all those links in the show notes. So be sure to check it out. Be sure to learn more about C-Suite for Christ. It's an amazing organization. Thank you so much for being with us, Paul. Hey, of course. You guys, you guys are a fantastic organization. We thank you for all the good work that you're doing. It's a blessing to be associated with BBT. And uh, you're doing great work to cover the world in Christ on your side. We're grateful for that. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you were inspired and encouraged by that interview. To learn more about Paul or C-Suite for Christ, visit csuiteforchrist.com. From there, if you're a C-Suite level leader, you can join, but no matter who you are, you will find lots of chances to be inspired. To learn how to use BBT's curriculum, connectivity tools, and coaching to build a life-changing Bible study with your coworkers, colleagues, or friends, visit b-b-t.org and click the Start Leading button. Completing the form there will send you six emails over six days explaining everything you need to know to get started. To support BBT financially in order to keep our resources free for users, visit b-b-t.org contribution. If this podcast has impacted you, share it with friends and leave us a review on the app that you use to listen. You can connect with Biblical Business Training on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening, and wherever you are, may you have a blessed day.